Hello, City of Champions. Welcome to another episode of the podcast where today it is my pleasure and great honor to be chatting with eight time world women's boxing champion, Jelena Mergenovic. Jelena is a local Edmonton girl and certainly fits the City of Champions moniker to a T. We talk about her entry into the boxing world, we talk about constantly facing doubters throughout her career, fair weather fans, people saying that there's no place for women in boxing. Uh, we talk about not mistaking her for a princess, which some of her opponents had the misfortune of doing. Uh, she showed them. Uh, we talk about her various side hustles she had to do to support her boxing career for the love of the sport. And we also cover the City of Edmonton's current moratorium on combative sports. If you don't know the background of this, essentially the city two weeks ago passed a bylaw saying they won't grant permits for combative professional sports uh, in the city for the next year which obviously has wide-ranging implications on all sorts of people, Jelena, local athletes, local businesses. Uh, it's pretty serious stuff, and uh, it seems that not a lot of people were consulted uh, when this decision was made. So, you know, again, we cover this topic pretty pretty thoroughly. So, you know, hope you enjoy the podcast, hope you learned something, and hit me up on the DM for any comments, suggestions, or just some love, whatever you got. Sitting here today with eight-time world women's boxing champion of the world, Jelena Murdenovich. Did I get that right? Murdenovich, yeah. Murdenovich, so close. close. I knew I was going to screw that up. No, you were listening to um, to Metsy too much. Oh, gee, he screws up everyone's name. All right. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for having me in your brand new, beautiful boxing studio. Yeah, it's coming along it's looking good how did this uh how did this come to be um the studio i just i basically wanted to bring what i love about boxing to the general public um boxing gyms can be super intimidating i remember when i started it was like i had to build myself up to even just get the confidence to go into a boxing gym Mm -hmm. um so i wanted to make something welcoming make something aesthetically pleasing and and just to have for people to experience the great workout that I've got to experience my last 15 years. And you're obviously done a million interviews in your life because that was a perfect segue. Let's talk about how you got started in boxing. Where did it all begin? Um, I guess we'd have to yeah go back to like 15 years minimum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> aging myself here. Um, and the audience isn't good with math. No, that's no, okay. don't worry about it. <laughs> um, I remember I was in university. I was playing basketball U of A. Mm-hmm. I blew my ACL out. Yeah. Like, devastating terrible, injury. devastating. First practice of actually making the team. Like, I went through no. all of the, like, tryouts, all of the training camp, yeah. all of, like, the, the grunt, shitty work. Yeah. Like, it was, like, terrible. And then... So that's your first year at U of A? First year at U of A. And Were you then, a basketball high school star? Basketball, basketball volleyball, all-around yeah. athlete kind of thing. But then I decided, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to commit myself to basketball. And then, <laughs> like, seriously, blew my knee out the very first practice. Yeah. So U of A, and this was back in Trix Baker days for all the older people like me. Okay. Um, you know, they were amazing. The team that we had was incredible. And, and they all supported me. I did an amazing rehab. 
um, actually almost too good. So I was rehabbed way before back in the day. It was all like timelines. Mm -hmm. So like you couldn't be ready before the timeline. They wouldn't medical you to be able to full oh. up go. It was weird. That's weird. Yeah. So I was ready to go. I was already playing pickup ball, and then I got the kind of the stern warning like, "Hey, Jelena, like." you shouldn't be doing this on school grounds like right so, you're on the IR yet you're still out here yeah. schooling people on the courts in Edmonton or playing what? with all the all the football guys like all this stuff <laughs> like you probably shouldn't do pick up ball at noon at U of A it yeah. gets intense <laughs> um, so anyway I was looking for something else to do and my dad and I were actually watching a super fight on TV mm -hmm. like it was De La Hoya, somebody and like I had been like the casual boxing fan um, and so we were watching it and I was like, they were talking about the purse money and how much money they made. It was like a couple million bucks. And yeah. they were one, one, one home, fight, one guy, yeah. Never mind one fight, one guy. And the other guy was complaining about how much money he was making. Mm -hmm. And I look at my dad and I'm like, dad, what am I doing wrong? Like a million bucks for one night? Like can't be that hard. Yeah. <laughs> and like my dad and I are super close and he's like, honey, he goes, it's not as easy as it looks. Right. And I was like, come on, it's a million bucks. And he goes, I bet you you couldn't do it. And I am, like, in my genetics, I don't know, in my chromosome, I am so stubborn. So I was like, light bulb went off, and I was like, okay, challenge accepted. I'm sticking it to you, Dad. Yeah. yeah, and so literally, like I said, it took me, like, a few days to, like, convince myself to actually go to a gym. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, we're going back, like, 15, 16 years, because this would have been, like, my year of amateur. Yeah. And, like... So the how did you do the research? The this is back before like Google was an no. everyday thing, right? So how did you do your research? <laughs> Google was just you pulled the, the old phone book, like right? the yellow pages, totally. boxing. boxing gyms. All right, I've got four here. Where do I? Let's start with it. Yeah, I called a couple. They weren't open during the day. They weren't open during like they're no, open in the evening. Like no, yeah. Okay. So most boxing gyms typically, um, the amateur gyms at least are only open in the evening. Like four to ten, kind of. Not thing. even like yeah. six to eight is like avenue. Yeah. Couple or afternoons like. Panther Gym isn't open until 5 p.m. Like, so this was daytime. I think it was, like, just shortly afternoon, and I found one of the gyms, and they were open. Yeah. And they said to come down. Who'd you call? Uh, this was way back. It was Wind Warriors. Wait, and they're not around anymore? They're not around anymore. Okay. And it was an interesting experience. So when they the picked up, and there was a girl on the other line inquiring, what did they say? They actually had one, which was interesting, because they had two females at the gym at the time. Okay. So um, and this was way back where... It wasn't really accepted or normal for women to be in the boxing scene. Um, so he was like, yeah, come on down, check it out, bring some shoes and some water. And I was like, yeah, okay, sweet. Easy. I like went down to the gym and like, like the first day, I think I was there for like four hours. I was like hooked right really? away. I was like, so yeah, you're already no, athletic and you just like started doing one class after the next? Uh, just day after day. It wasn't like classes. You yeah. just showed up and you started progressing and working. And, okay. You know, like I can say I got bit by the boxing bug immediately. Okay. So um, for me, it was like from like, oh, I want to try out this sparring thing and like, I got, we did drills and this girl, there was like an older lady that did some, she was just coming for workout fitness and she like smoked, like women are catty. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they're territorial and this was way back 16 years ago when it wasn't common for women to be in boxing gyms. So this lady got so territorial and we were doing drills that she smoked me right in the face accidentally on purpose. 
Do you, do you know who it was? I can't even remember her name now. Like, this do you is think she remembers time. you? I don't. Is the question. I mean, like, I, th- I punched that girl out before she even. Well, got she didn't started. punch me out, but I like, I my nose got like it was the first time I'd been smoked in yeah. the nose, and like my eyes got all watery, and I was like, like it looked like I was tearing up, but it was just like how you know, close you, were you to quitting at that? Oh, point? never, not never. At all. I was like, I that remember thinking feeling. to myself, you know what, payback's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, You'll no, no, yours. we're gonna do it the next day. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, I definitely got my fair share back and mm-hmm. a little bit more in return, so it was good. So, would you say you followed a typical progression from like just starting to training to no. sparring? Like, how much quicker were you than the average person? Well, like, and when did you get in your first like match, amateur match? So, actually, that was really funny. So, I started boxing. I never told anybody in my family. Just so. your dad? Not did even. You know? oh, I didn't okay. tell anybody. You're like, I'll I tell them when I'm good. This is like. <laughs> My family wasn't fully living in Edmonton. We're from the like an hour west of the city. My siblings were going to school everywhere, so I was the only one here. My dad was still living part time on the farm and part time in the city, and so I didn't tell him. I didn't really have to answer to anybody. So I like all of a sudden, you know, my family's in town. I'm like, hey guys, I'm like, I'm doing this thing like tomorrow night. It's like Friday night. I'm like, do you guys just want to show up? Like, I didn't even tell them what it was. Like, <laughs> you know, like, in the, and if you're an Edmontonian and you're listening to this, this is, like, Yellowhead Hotel, like, mm-hmm. in the basement. Oh, yeah. Where there's, like, the, the skeezy strip joint. Like, yeah. Moonlight great buffet there, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> so I've been told. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, um, what, way back in the day, we used to rent that and do, like, our golden gloves or bronze gloves or silver gloves. So... Mm-hmm. My actual my first fight, amateur fight, was at Bronze Gloves. So Bronze Gloves is where you have zero to three fights, mm-hmm. and it's a tournament. So you go in, you get a draw, you do it. So anyway, I, I tell my parents, I'm like, hey guys, you want to just come watch this thing? It's like, it's in the basement of the Yellowhead, and uh, that's all I said, and I hung up. Yeah. So my parents are probably freaking out because the only thing that's in the basement of the Yellowhead, strippers. So obviously they showed up. <laughs> They're like, wow, I really didn't see this coming. They were probably you. like, my dad was just like freaking out. And then, so they came and um, it was a lot of fun. Like They walked in. They're like, this makes more sense. Yeah, she seems okay. more of a boxer than a stripper. <laughs> Definitely zero stripping in this body. Um, but yeah, no, they, and so, you know, during the, they're, they've always been extremely supportive. So I've been mm-hmm. very lucky. How'd that first fight go? I won. I stopped the girl. You stopped her? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then how, you were, you were a bit from the moment you walked in, but mm-hmm. how, how quickly did you progress up the amateur, and when did you first turn pro? So I was about an amateur, and I had about 13 amateur fights. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that a lot, a little? It's a little. Yeah. Like, it's a little, like, for example, a lot of these amateur fighters now have 80-plus right. fights. Like, Robbie, who's just turned 2-0 and as a pro, he's had 80 amateur fights. Right. He's been boxing since he was 13, like, so went up through the thing. So me, I mean, when I started, I was 18, 19 years old. I think 19 by the time I actually started. Yeah, and that's um, a little later down the line, right? Like, yeah. typically you'll start when you're a teenager. Yeah. So at what point do you decide, or when, when is the decision made to turn pro? How does that so work? So I had left the gym that I was at originally started, and uh, I moved down to Panther Gym. I was working out on my own kind of thing. Like, yeah. Um, and then my dad was having lunch with my now coach, Milan Lubavac, mm-hmm. who's a family friend. And so I walk in to meet my dad, and have some lunch and hang out and and Milan's like how's boxing going and I was like oh it's okay he's like how's training I was like yeah it's good I'm just training at Panthers on my own he's like looked at me and like gave me this dirty look and I was like I'm like what and he's like 
you can't be training on your own. You need a coach. Right. And I'm like, well, you know, kind of didn't work out with the other people, so I'm just doing, I'm just working out on my own. Right. Do your own thing. Yeah. And so anyway, he's like, no, I'll meet you at the gym tomorrow at three. Don't be late. And I was like, oh, okay. So literally (laughs) the rest is history after that. So, um... He's been by my side since then, so since the first year I started boxing. So for, like, literally 15 years, he's been my coach. Mm-hmm. And he, his style and his progression and basically the way we both are, um, we had a couple amateur fights, and it was getting frustrating because you'd weigh in at these tournaments, and then some of the trainers, if they knew you were fighting or if you were on the list, they'd pull their fighters out. Oh. So, like, a lot of fighters, a lot of fights would fall through, and we were just getting frustrated. And he's like, you know what? He goes, why don't we just, um, why don't we just make our own fights? Why don't we turn pro? We can pick who we fight. At least we know we get ready for something. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Right. I just want to fight. Yeah, exactly. And you so, didn't care if it was pro or amateur or And whatever. so that was kind of the attitude I had. I'm like, yeah, okay, I just want to fight. Like, yeah. I, this is stupid getting ready for nothing. Like, I want to get ready for something. you got to play the games, right? So, yeah, so we decided to turn pro. And, like, I remember that was 2003, I believe. January-ish. Okay. Um, and that's, that's just kind of where we went. We were like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And then, I don't know, I went on... That was a long time ago. Went on a, went on a little bit of a <laughs> That was 40, 49 fights ago, right? 49 fights ago, yeah. What, what percentage of your fights have been in Edmonton versus elsewhere? Um, I think we did the math on this. I'm not sure, but... I over, thought I read somewhere that 38 of your 49 fights have been in Edmonton. Does that sound about right? Close, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're very close to that. I had two in Calgary. Uh, yeah. yeah. Did you... Now, did your your fandom, your your spectatorship, start to gradually increase over the years? Did it go from the family to all of a sudden, like you've got an actual contingent of fans? In well, it's Edmonton. funny because, like, when I started, when I turned pro, I turned pro with a bunch of other guys that we all kind of trained together as amateurs, and we all turned pro around the same time. And so it was way back in Cougar Gym days when there was a lot of um, guys there training, and so. I was like almost like a sideshow um, on the on the card so I was like first fight out um, and I like didn't get paid I don't know when the first fight I got paid for to actually fight like you were supposed to get paid and they just didn't pay you no it was like if you want to fight you have to we're not going to pay you you're like interning yeah you're like interning in the fight like if you if you're um, if if you want to fight you get we aren't going to pay you but you were give you tickets. You have to sell this amount of tickets to pay for your opponent yeah. to come in, <laughs> and then that's it. Right. So I mean, how bad did that drive you? Like, were you just oh, like, "Fuck I, you guys"? Is that a chip on your shoulder? It's. It wasn't a chip, but it was like definitely like. It was like you're like, well, I'll show you. You know yeah. what? I'm not gonna let anybody tell me what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna write my own story. I'm yeah. gonna figure this out on my own. So, you know, it was a grind. It was a hustle. Like it was. Slanging tickets, training. Seriously, you're running around, like, hustling tickets to everybody you know. Yeah. Which is tough. Like, you know, I'm in university. This is pre-social media days. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what people don't understand. What do you like, do? Like, take out flyers? You like, just, everybody spots, you know. Like, and, you know. and, I mean, it's easier if you can have a little bit of a personality and some friends and a network. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm great because I have, well, I'm lucky. Not great. I'm <laughs> lucky. Yeah. 
um, that I have a big family. We're all close in age, and they're extremely supportive. Right. Um, you know, the Serbian community in Edmonton got behind me because my dad. Of course. Um, so my dad would let everybody know. My trainer's Serbian, too, so yeah. he'd let everybody Serbian know. Serbian pride, you play off right? that. Yeah. So, um, and then it was like some people are just genuinely interested in seeing a female fight. Right. They were like, well, this should be good. Yeah. Is it going to be foxy boxing? And I was <laughs> like, yeah, it'll be foxy when I knock you out. <laughs> no, but um, so it was like, it was a long road. Did you fight a lot of doubters? Not fight, but like, oh, did you deal with a lot of doubters? I still do. I still do, what even to say this day. That women's boxing, well, you can't fight. boxing. You can't really fight. And I was like, weird. I said, I have a clip on YouTube that has over 3 million uh, views yeah. plus. Which I'm it's sure you didn't see a dime for. Different renditions of everything everywhere. Yeah. I don't care. Like, people are like, oh my God. I seen there was a clip of like the 15 best knockouts ever, and you were on it. And I was like, yeah, I'm really proud of that knockout. <laughs> <laughs> That, so let me ask you a couple things. What's what's your what has been your toughest fight in your career? And that's hard to say when you have forty nine fights. Mm-hmm. Each fight was different at a different moment in my career. Yeah. And like you have to also remember is like with women's boxing, you don't get paid a lot. Like I said, I didn't even get paid for my first like ten fights. Right. Um. So you were working full time plus training plus fighting plus slanging tickets on yeah. the side. So. I think every fight taught me something different. Okay. Um, you know, probably first toughest fight I remember was my first loss. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that showed me a lot about the support, the real support, and the, the difference between real and fake fans. Right. And support, same thing. Right. When um, things aren't going your way, who and, sticks and around? Right? And I mean, Edmonton, I, I love Edmonton, but it is a tough city to be from when you are on the downward spiral. The expectations of athletes in this city, thanks to those 1980 Oilers, is just sky I high, know, right? right? These guys are like, you guys are amazing, but you did us wrong. Yeah, <laughs> no, you really set the bar. I mean, City of Champions no. is it's yeah. great. But yeah. uh, but I mean five Stanley Cups in seven years that's that's real tough to beat yeah. right yeah but I mean I think we've got great fans here too I'm sure you oh. can agree like we stuck through the decade of darkness oh. last year saw some success like with the decade. Oilers you don't know that decade of darkness uh. those are rough times that's why any Oilers, through it. any Oilers fans that are under under twenty right now it's like good on you like yeah. you know you yeah. actually started at a time where we sucked yeah no that's true. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So we were talking about your your favorite or your toughest fight. Yeah. So I want to talk about um, your favorite loss, if there is such a thing. The loss there that isn't. taught you the most. I mean, one that Every, like that so, you really grew from. So there is only the only bad loss that can ever happen is if you don't learn anything from it. Um, there's no such thing as a good loss. A loss is a loss. Yeah. Um, I've learned something about myself, about who I am, what I want to become, um, who I want around me, um, who's on, who has your back no matter what, and who's just a fair weather fan. Right. Um, so as much as I would love to erase the 10 losses that I've had, each one of those 10 has taught me something about me. It's helping me it's helped me grow as a not only as an athlete but as a an adult as a person as a woman um and just my character so you know it's kind of tough when you look on paper because i actually don't think i lost half of those fights right um but that's one of the 
parts of being an athlete and parts of not being able to decide. Like yeah. the only way to, to make your own decisions is to win by knockout. Right. For um, sure. In boxing and, and that's the absolute. Un- unfortunately, this our sport is riddled with bad decisions, bad judging. It's it's unfortunately one of the things that happen. Does being in, in such a physical and intense sport um, as a career for you, what does that teach you about normal life? How does that like almost dampen normal life? Like you must just be super relaxed all the time outside of the ring. I'm like, I'm like what is normal life? Yeah. I'm not sure. It's all perception, right? Like my, yeah. my normal is me. Right. Um, you know, everybody has their own perception of normal. Mm-hmm. So like it was funny because I was talking about a bunch of stuff with my siblings and like even just my friends. And I was like, I can't remember what it was. And I was like, well, that's normal. And they were like, no. No, it's not. That is not normal. normal. (laughs) And we got this big argument. I'm like, but that's my normal. Yeah. I've been, since I've been 19 years old, Mm -hmm. I've been a professional athlete. I'm now 35 years old. What my normal is is different than yours. Right. So I laugh when people say, well, what does normal life look like? I'm like, I don't know. This is like my everyday is my normal. Like... Right now, I would say my, my life is atypical. It's not normal right now because I haven't had a fight since July and I haven't been training consistently. And like, so my life right now feels like it's in shambles. Right. But that's because that's what we build our normal off of. Yeah. Like, so for me to not train makes me feel like terrible. Like, it makes me feel like I'm the wheels are falling. I've fallen off. Now we're like, dripping oil and now like you can't just replace the wheel you have to give the whole body a tune-up right and you've been so goal-oriented your whole life right and to I not have an upcoming fight how do you replace those goals so <laughs> tell you, you know what what do you what do you look for to to give you motivation to keep going well and that's um and that's something where i've been fortunate enough with my family being entrepreneurs and like um that's the way i was taught that's the way i was that's basically my genetics are to be driven that way and um and i think that's what's helped me a lot in my boxing career too is just to be very driven very goal-oriented um and not accept failure and so for me that's what's driven me through my boxing career but also through other parts of life you know with female boxing i can't sustain my career just on boxing so um i've done a lot of different little businesses um you know, from like renting furnished apartments that my family like had an apartment building. And so when I was in my twenties, so I didn't have to work as hard, Yeah, which is like relative again. Um, I fully furnished apartment building, like apartment units and sold them, like rented them out to shelf refinery mm-hmm. in Fort Saskatchewan. Like a lot of people didn't know that, but that's what I did. I subletted furnished apartments because I had to support myself so I could train a little bit harder. That's how you subsidize your boxing yeah. career. <laughs> See you guys. See ya. Um, do you wish that you could just solely focus on boxing? You have to go. No. Robbie, happy birthday. We'll see you oh, happy birthday, Rob. Text me later. Sorry. That's all right. Do you, do you wish that you could solely focus on boxing or do you find having other things that you can almost disconnect from boxing makes makes it easier? Do you like this is compartmentalization? What, this is what I find is interesting because is a lot be of these guys, and this is maybe I shouldn't say millennials, but it is. No, no, no. Bash us all you want. This is what these millennials have all like, oh, no, we just need to focus on this. Right. Like, you know, 
and I don't know where this started. Maybe it's like Sidney Crosby type of idea. It's like, oh, my kid's going to play in the NHL. He's going to be the best player. He needs to play hockey 24-7, 365, and since he's 12 years old. No. Let kids be kids. You know what? You never. You don't know who you are as a person until you're like 25. Like, yeah, sometimes you know? later. Sometimes <laughs> later. So you don't know what you're absolutely going to be passionate about, what drives you, what you're, what you're meant to do in life. Some people, like myself, are lucky enough to find what they're meant to do. I just happen to be really good at punching people in the face. But I think having different things to do and having like a full-time job, one-and-a-half-time job, and boxing um, help me keep my focus and right. keep my goals going and and that sacrifice and that dedication that I had when I was working and grow, getting getting through the beginning part of my career and developing who I am the reason why it meant so much more was because I had that focus and that drive and I made all those sacrifices we had to work for it too right anything that you're handed anything that comes easy is never as appreciated as if you have to work for it that's basic I've seen humanity 101. I've seen fighters come through the gym, probably five, six guys who have had sponsorship enough to like monthly sponsorship where they basically get paid to train and they throw it out the window because they get lazy, they get complacent, they have no work ethic, no drive. Right. Um, and it's so sad to see. Like you see a lot of guys who um, aren't very well off and are very, you know, they're living whatever job to job they can get so they can support themselves through boxing like you look at back in my era like and a lot of these guys are starting to retire which is sad but like boxing has always this bad rap of like people are from the ghetto and it's a rough life and yeah. they were they were gangsters and mobsters and street kids because they did what they had to do to support themselves mm -hmm. um so it's always i guess typically a very poor sport mm -hmm. because you don't need much to start boxing. No, anyone can do it, right? You don't even need running shoes. Like, you can wear any kind of sneakers as long as you get into the gym. Mm -hmm. There's all the gear you need, and anybody can work out. Yeah. There's a lot of nonprofit gyms that you all you need to do is show up. Mm -hmm. Show up and work hard. And so some of these kids, like, and this is more in the States, too, developed to be quite good. Mike Tyson is a great example of this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, found something that he was meant to do and just took the bull by the horns and just rode it, you know, as far as he could. Right. To me, it seems fighting is like the great equalizer, right? It has no, has no impact where you came from, what your parents do, how well off you were. If you're willing to just straight up outwork the other person and you've trained harder and, and are better, you're going to win. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where I got a lot of animosity when I started boxing. It was like, oh, this, like, princess just wants to box. Right. And, like, people laughed at me. And, like, we went... I remember this fight. It was actually... I can clearly remember it. I fought in um, Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. And it was my first real... My first or second fight out of town. And we fought this girl, and, and we walked into Wayans, and I'm with Milan, and he's a big guy, and he's like my dad, and everybody actually thinks he's my dad. Right. Um, and we walk in, and like we had weighed in before because we were early. So then we had some water, and like I always am like right on weight. Um, and then the, the weigh-ins and the rules and the medicals all started, and they asked me to step on the scale again, and my trainer's like, Milan's like, well, no, she already stepped on the scale. Mm -hmm. And the girl I was fighting, her her dad was her coach. 
and they looked at me and they're like it's okay like it was going to be an easy fight they're like it's okay you're fine we just want to get the fight to happen and so all of we ended up figuring out the like ruling and everything because I did actually do an official way in before right so we go to fight night and we come out and like I absolutely beat the crap out of her first round second round and then they threw in the teller and knocked her out, knocked her with a body shot, I think. Mm-hmm. And her dad came running across the ring and almost got in a fight with Milan, like my trainer. He's like yelling, he's like, you guys are a bunch of liars and fakes and phonies and you act like this girl is just this princess and can't fight. And You're like, that's the last thing I act And then like. my, my, trainer, my trainer looks at me and goes, we never said we couldn't fight. Yeah. He goes, we never said we couldn't fight. Not my fault she looks okay. <laughs> and I, I remember laughing because I was, he's like, he's like, you hustled us. And we're yeah. like, well, hey, this is the fight game. Nobody yeah. hustles anybody. And he's like, so I, I remember laughing. And I, I'm like, he, I'm always behind him. When, she, when stuff goes down the ring, right. he, I go, he puts me behind him. Yeah. I was like, what was that all about? He goes, oh, he thinks we hustled them because you look like a princess. <laughs> so listen, princess, let's move along. Let's get out of here before we get beat up. <laughs> On to the next one, right? Yeah. That's so un- it's unbelievable. Like, That's something you never consider, right? Oh, like, I always get underestimated. I love it. Not anymore, but I used to, especially when I was yeah. younger. They're like, oh, here's this, like, pretty girl whose family is you know well off she doesn't need to fight we're just going to totally take advantage yeah. of her that makes the come up just that much better oh. that much sweeter right yeah. when you get to prove people wrong well and i mean my whole career is about proving people wrong you know i even had when when i lost i went through that stint in my career where i lost like five out of seven fights yeah and you know it was a tough time i didn't have a lot of support i actually had zero support other than my like family right um and I had you heard everything like Edmonton is mean so I heard like oh see we told you she's just this pretty girl whose family bought her everything her whole way yeah well I'm sorry when you fight for world titles nobody can buy you shit Mm -hmm. okay I'm the one who bleeds I'm the one who sweats I'm the one who cries in that ring that ring is my therapy yeah (laughs) Like that ring as messed up as that sounds that ring and I have been through a lot of shit okay Mm Along with the like equipment room at, at Cougar Gym, where I've cried a lot of a lot of tears, not. But you know, nobody. Once you get in there, once that belt goes, nobody can save you. Just you. It's just you. Yeah. So how at the end of the day do you ever silence the haters, the doubters, or do you just you know you you're confident keep, in your in your records and you, you just, just keep go, winning? Yeah. Listen, I fought the best people in the world. Um, I fought everybody who was put in front of me. Um, you know, now at this point in time in my career, I've started to get paid for all of my hard work. Yeah. So I'm not going to fight. I was offered offered a fight with a girl from New York, and they, like, offered me peanuts. And I'm like, listen, I actually have the world titles. Yeah. Show me what you want for it. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think I just I just have to keep winning and have and by winning I mean like winning spectacularly yeah you know like no leaving no questions no questions and and it's been tough because I've been fighting in Europe quite a bit um, because they're paying me to go out there and can't fight here that's so kind of, that's kind of the life hey like and, getting to you travel know, and you can't well you don't like people think it's like oh that's cool you went to go to France that's yeah. so awesome I'm like listen I stayed in a hotel I had to boil water and cook chicken like it isn't as glamorous as you think it but you is. you don't take I'm, on an extra week at the end to go to the south of France. I did. Like um, I did a week 
after this last one just to get some R and R because I knew I was opening this studio. Yeah. Um. So I did a week with my family after we went to Southern Italy. Yeah. Um. But other than that, like you work, mm-hmm. you train, you take. There were some days when we fought in Japan. I didn't get to see any of Japan. Like I think Japan is so cool, and you travel so far. But it's I got just to out see, of reach. Just out, like you just. You can't know what I got to there. see? The like little like what, where were we? Little Korea of Japan. Like I didn't get to see anything. Riveting. Yeah. Like you're in and out of a gym. You're doing two days. You're like focused on what you have to do. Mm-hmm. At the level that I'm at, there is no time to sightseeing. One little mistake means you could be laying on the canvas instead of standing in it right. so you know i know everybody thinks like oh it's so cool you fought in argentina how awesome was argentina mm-hmm. no argentina sucked i lost my world title and i didn't even get to see anything when i was there <laughs> it sucked okay yeah. but like things like that like you know it's not a holiday it's work i like not to sort of working in hockey like past tournaments i've done like the world juniors i was like that's so cool you got to work for the world juniors it got to be at all the games it's like yeah yeah i was in the bowels of the arena organizing volunteers while team canada was out there scoring you know? yeah it's so it's, it's so it's not as glamorous as it seems and not only that you're not sleeping in your own bed you're not eating your own food mm-hmm. you know you don't just get to chill and drive your own car you're like ripping around carrying things that like but you love the process and you love boxing, you love fighting, you love training. And Absolutely. That stuff, so it all, Absolutely. it's all worth it in the end. So fight 50, what's going on? <laughs> you tell me. Uh, hey, I don't know no. any more than you do. Um, well, fight 50 we had announced um, to be here in March. Yeah. March 23rd, I believe. Okay. Um, and then literally a day later, um, the Edmonton City Council... Um, declared a moratorium on combative sports right. in the city. So that affects boxing, wrestling, wrestling MMA, MMA, everything. Yeah. Kickboxing, like everything. And that was, as some people are describing it, a knee-jerk reaction to the Tim Hag incident. Um, but it wasn't a knee-jerk reaction to the Tim Hag incident because Tim Hag incident tragedy, June. the tragedy happened in June. Yeah. So now you're all of a sudden doing this in December. Right. So if it was knee-jerk, then it should have been in June. Right. What's your take on that? Well, I'm. I, you know, there was four events that happened after that event mm-hmm. in the city that the city council makes money off of. Yeah. Um, the UFC being being the biggest. Of course. Um, and the commission and city council take a tax, like they take a percentage off of each ticket sold. Right. So why now though? And, I mean, there, there was a big uh, WWE event that got postponed in February, too, right? Why not announce this after that? Uh, I think it's because now it's the time to everybody to renew their licenses. Okay. So, um, to be honest with you, I don't know. I feel like it was just... You're right. It was knee-jerk. Mm-hmm. But it, it wasn't regarding... It, I think everything kind of falls into play. Yeah. The whole, I think tipping of the scales was the Tim Hag thing, but I, I also think it was something that the city council currently um, is just not looking... I, honestly, I'm so confused, confused as to why. Confused, right? It seems I'm, no one was consulted, no one well, was this, even told. Well, this the was Pro the Wrestling thing. Association found out through social media. They never even got a heads up. I do don't you know about the boxing I, community. Do you want to know who I found out yes, personally? Yes, I do want to know. I had Mark Pavlich phone me and yep. tell me, did you hear about this? Right. I'm like, hear about what? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, And that sucks to have to hear from someone else when you should be in the that, know, right? Shouldn't I have been consulted? Mm-hmm. Having fought all around the world, 
and being an eight-time world champion, current WBC, WBA world champion, don't you think they should have asked me my opinion on how the commission is run? Mm-hmm. Don't you think I would have a little bit of insight? I would say, <coughs> excuse me, I would say that you do. Um, it seems like the one of the biggest elements of this is they want uh, it to move to a provincial commission That's versus a municipal. <coughs> that won't happen. Though. Eight out of ten provinces are currently uh, provincial versus municipal. Yes, and every mi- municipality in in in, Al- in Alberta, sorry, mm-hmm. loves the way their commission is run. Okay, they all work together, uni- <coughs> unified, um, together as a business type thing, and they support each other. Mm-hmm. They don't fight against each other. Right. There may not always be agreements on rules or technicalities or even events. There may not, uh, there won't, there definitely won't always be mm-hmm. a unified answer. Right. However, um, and there'll be disagreements. However, together as a whole, they choose to work together, like with their within their right, municipality. Right? So there will not be a provincial commission in Alberta, at least not anytime soon. But the other municipalities flat out say they do not want to do it. And is that because they're just wanting to preserve their jobs? No, or do I, they think that I municipal... actually think that they work well together. I, you know, there's a reason why Edmonton, up until this happened, mm-hmm. has been basically the capital, the Western Canada capital of right. combative sports. Right. And in the East, it's Quebec? Montreal. Montreal, yeah. yeah. So, you know, people know of Edmonton mm-hmm. and Montreal for fighting in Canada. That's basically it. Mm-hmm. There are fights and combative sports that happen everywhere else but it's not as popular and this is because we worked together up until recently with our commission to put these events on yeah so i guess i'm just it's it's working it's been working well up till now i don't understand the why right so to me it seems like a big element of it all is the medical record keeping Right, making sure that there's consistent access to information across all the, if it's going to stay municipal commission across all those commissions, so everyone's got access to the same records. Right. I mean, I, that to me doesn't seem complicated. You have one website where you can upload all this stuff and or but the medical, like, but the for your medical records, that's all private information. Okay. So, so there is already a database. Yeah. With boxing, mm-hmm. it used to be called Fight Facts. It's now called Boxrec. So if you go on to Boxer, like if we even search my name, it'll say all of my suspensions, it'll say when I fought, who I fought, where I fought. Mm-hmm. You can't keep medical records on a database because it's Privacy Act. Right. So I don't know what they're trying to argue. What, the medical records? They want to keep the medical records together? Well, then why are you invading my privacy then? So do doctors in advance of a fight or the ringside doctors, do they get people's they, medical they records? Put, yes. Like, I have medicals that I have to do, but if but I... that's if disclosed on, by the individual? If you, go, if you go on Fight Facts, yeah. so it'll say, according to my doc or my fight, so the Edmonton Commission, well, I last fought in France. So the, if you go to the France, the France Commission would have suspended me for, I don't know what it is for for 10 rounds, because I only fight quarterly, okay. mostly, but I think it's like a 30 or 60 day suspension. Right. Why'd you get suspended? You just automatically, the amount of rounds you do automatically suspends you. So if oh, I go... Oh, so you don't fight. Go, yeah. Oh, so okay, if I go so. four rounds, I'll be suspended one week. Gotcha. Because they I need go, to have a yeah. refractory period before yeah. fights, essentially. Yeah. So that's what the, the commissions themselves do to ensure the safety of the fighters. Yeah. Um, if you have... If you get TKO'd, you get a certain amount of suspension. If right. you get head trauma, then you need, like, there's all of these 
there's all these provisions that there is had. Right, which um, makes sense. Which if is you all get governed. Out, you have to wait longer, that kind of thing. Which right? is all governed by your local commission or whatever commission it is. Right. Okay. So I'm saying I fought for a provincial commission. I fought in Ontario. And by far, it was the worst place for me to fight. Why is that? Um, well, there, according to their commission, you have to do 24-hour weigh-ins. Uh, it was really hard to get a hold of. I can't even remember the commission member at the, the president at the time. It was just, it was a shit show to fight in Ontario. Okay. Like I told, I told Milan, I'm like, if we can avoid it, I never want to fight in Ontario right. again. Right? Is it kind of like the bigger a commission gets, the more bureaucracy, the more? And red it's tape. all and and like, listen, if you're the president of that commission, and then you're basically an egomaniac. Right. And that was a lot of the issues that we found with a lot of the commissions because you're like the head honcho. Right. Um, with the big the, mob boss. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So at least that's been as a fighter. Yeah. My experience. Um, you know, I've, I've fought all around the world. And like I said, I think I feel in my experience, Edmonton has been one of the safest and best commissions that I've fought for. And that's now, now having said that, I fought in France, I fought in Panama, I fought in Argentina, I fought in Tokyo, I fought in Ontario, I fought in Calgary, and even uh, Chestermere, yeah. Alberta. <laughs> so I've fought around the world, um, so I've had the experience. And, and a lot of my fights will, have been world title fights. So if the WBC and WBA say that our, our, our commission's fine, Who's the city council to say that they're not? Right. And they're just, well, they're touting it as we want to pr protect people, right? The 100%. But this is the World Boxing Council, mm -hmm. World Boxing Association. Do you know how many fights they promote per right. year? Or not promote, but are involved in mm -hmm. per year? You would think they know a thing or two about a thing or two. So there's a city council meeting on January 17th, I believe. And yeah. they said, Iveson said that there's no, they won't consider any exceptions to this moratorium until after that meeting. Maybe. So, you know what, what position that puts me in? Which what? is, like, heartbreaking. Um, as a world champion, I have to defend my belts um, before a year. If so, you don't do that, you lose then it? Then I get stripped. Really? So, I've chose to be in Edmonton. I love Edmonton. I've chose to um, reside in Edmonton. I've chose to make this my home, which not a lot of athletes do. Could you have made um, more money elsewhere? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But you wanted to stay here. I wanted to be an Edmontonian. I'm yeah. proud of my city. I love the people. I love um, the community. Um, and so, like, I, we've had options to go everywhere. We've had... Um, I could have been in Mexico, I could have been in Vegas, LA, New York, I could have went anywhere and been extremely successful. Um, I chose to stay here, which has cost us a lot of money because we've had to fly in sparring partners, we've had to put them up, pay them to come here. Um, and now my city that I'm so proud of um, will screw me over. I will get stripped of my world titles because by January 17th, whatever decision they decide to go with mm -hmm. isn't enough time for us to put a fight together to be able to fight and defend my world titles. Right. What's that date? What's the year from well, your title? it would be July, so end of June, but yeah. that's still not enough time. And plus, I can't be, according to our commission, um, if I've been inactive for eight months to a year, I can only fight eight rounds, according to our commission. And you can't have a title fight. In under or for eight it's rounds. ten rounds it has for to be women. 10 rounds. So, according for our commission to even license me anywhere else, yeah. 
I need to it needs to happen right away so how does that does that prevent you from fighting elsewhere having this well, Edmonton how this, so how this works is um, when I fought in France for yes. example I, the France commission had to get a written letter from our Edmonton commission my local commission saying that I was fit and fit to fight right that I was licensed I was licensed as a fighter mm-hmm. so if there's no commission how am I going to get a license? But the commission still exists. The commission still exists, but they're, they're just not, not granting allowed. permits to fights. So, so basically, they're what not allowed to, to say you can fight. No, really. But that's what that is. So you can't even be licensed to fight elsewhere. No, they're not issuing any licenses at all. Wow. Full ban on combative sports. And no one's come to you and said, Jelena, as eight-time world champion, I this had, is this is how we're going to handle your situation. So I, I and I don't know why. Maybe because I was sending a couple of tweets out and. <laughs> I've been on every interview and news and radio. Yeah, doing the rounds. Speaking my mind, Mm -hmm. which is the only thing I know how to do. Of course. Um, And with me is what you see is what you get. So obviously I've been very upset. And I'm still, like, baffled. Like, I feel like this is, like... I I went to one radio station. I was like, this is some kind of sick joke. I'm like, it's not April anymore. Like... (laughs) When is this like nightmare gonna be over? Like this is a joke. When is someone just gonna say, "Hey, just kidding. We made we made a bad we made a bad decision." Right. When is the city gonna own up to their mistake? That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm all over. So the the mayor's office called me personally. Yeah. Um. You know, I've done a ton of events. I've done a ton of charity work. Um. You know, I've. The mayor came to my documentary premiere. Yeah. He spoke at it. And at this at this premiere, he's like, Edmonton is not only lucky to have a one-time world champion, but an eight-time world champion. We are so very lucky and proud to have her as an Edmontonian. Yeah. We support her, and we'll do whatever we can to support Man. her. We'll do whatever we can unless we put a moratorium on boxing in Edmonton. So... The mayor's office called me, and they're like, we just want you to know you're in the mayor's radar. I'm like, he wanted to contact you. And I was like, well, but he didn't contact yeah. me. You he's, are. He's on Twitter. He could have tweeted at you. He could have done anything. Called you. Whatever. So. <laughs> you queue up that clip for him of him speaking and saying that? I mean, like, six months ago, eight months ago. <laughs> it's been so frustrating. Like, I am just, You're still like, in limbo. So, when was this moratorium announced? Like, like the 7th? Yeah. 12 days ago 12 days ago ish so it'll be two weeks Friday um my life in the last two weeks I've opened a studio I've done charity events I've I I I judged a a high school dunk contest like I do so much in the community that my last these last 10 days have felt like they've been two months of my life right um you know, I'm still in shock and awe. I don't know. You know, it's hard to not know where your life is going. Like, I had a schedule. Like, yeah. I had a schedule. I'm opening the studio up beginning of January. We're getting out of the way. I'm yeah. s- I was supposed to start training because I don't know what people think. Do they think we just, like, tomorrow, oh, I get a fight. I'm going to defend my world title. Like, yeah. no, this takes 12 weeks minimum of two-a-days. Yeah. Minimum. Like, for something like this, because I've had such a layoff, like I'm gonna have to train for like 16 weeks. Like, so will you go on January 17th and speak your piece? 100%. Yeah. 100%. You know, there was a case like this, uh, fuck, maybe like 16 years ago. 
Um, and Milan gave me the name of the gentleman. And I remember the story, but I don't remember the details. Like, um, but the the WBC somehow didn't grant this one fighter a fight, and he ended up suing the WBC for thirty million dollars. Actually, almost bankrupt the WBC. So he won. Uh, he won. Yeah. Um, because they stripped him of his title. They stripped him of his title. Something about it was the organization just banned something. And I don't, I'm, I have to, I remember the story, but again, this was like 15 years ago. This yeah. when I started. So actually, when I first fought for my world title, we weren't sure if the WBC was going to be around anymore because they got sued for 30 million and they won. The, um, so they settled outside of court. Right. But this is like essentially like the same thing. Like I could get stripped of my world titles slash my yeah. career when really my career in women's boxing is really starting to take off. Right. Not really starting. It is taking off. Like the last two years of my career, I've been paid quite a bit to fight. Like yeah. nothing near the men, but and women's fights are on TV. So now you're saying to me, the city of Edmonton is basically robbing me of my future, my legacy, my career. This moratorium will force me into retirement because I refuse to fight not as a world champion. Right. So what are my options? Can someone please advise me of my options? Because I can't fight anywhere else and I can't be stripped of my world titles. Yeah. It's unbelievable that it's How sad is that? Yeah, People don't is. understand actually the scope of what the city has done. It's not like, oh, it's no big deal. It'll come back in a year. Mm-hmm. In a year at 35 years old, that's everything right when you're at the very least owed a owed an explanation of here here's the consideration we put into your case i mean like it's 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 just incredible that they especially like talk to you about this i've announced my 50th fight like that is an iconic fight it's not my last fight but it's an iconic fight Mm -hmm. i've said no to multiple fights in europe for a ton of money um, want to do it here, but I wanted to do it at home. And yeah. I fought on the road. My like one, I fought la- one time in three years in Edmonton. Yeah, it's and time time to come home, right? Yeah, like you have to fight for your life everywhere else. At least I don't get decisions here, but at least I get to fight in the comforts of my own house. I get to sleep in my own bed. You're boiling like, your chicken at home. At home <laughs> with my dog. Okay, like just leave us alone. So you're kind of playing the waiting game uh, right now, I, which is unfortunate. Well, Are there any proactive steps you, you can do in the community? Well, can I've do? just what been trying. Do? I've just been trying to get the community to speak out. Like we have a voice, you know. We have the freedom of speech. Like, you know, we might not get a lot of choices apparently in yeah. our city anymore, but maybe we can speak out. Maybe we can try and change this. Um, I don't. I don't think the, the city council realized how much of an impact they had on everybody's lives, their livelihoods, right. their careers. It's not just professionals, but it's everything, right? It's everything. It's, box, it's gyms, it's, it's yeah. amateurs. Like it, it's a trickle-down effect, right? Like if I had, if this was just a fight gym, I would have invested millions of dollars into nothing. Yeah. Like, well, you know, if this was not, if I didn't gear this up to be a fitness studio, if I didn't have my sister's, to inspire me and be my muses for this place, yeah. I would have lost my shirt. They would have bankrupted me. That's insane. So what can people do? January 17th, show up? Is that the most important well, thing? Well, I think they can show up, but they can also speak out. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm going to get, um, I'm going to get all of the, all of my friends, quote unquote, like as many 
inspirational and in you know influential people in my life to try and write letters um because when i go there i want to have i want to have support so it's writing letters what else like showing up calls, showing up basically causing a scene causing a scene okay yeah hack the culture and attention of right? city council and then well, we just show that support. people care about this right yeah you know like i i feel like i've I've been through so much in this city, and the city has been behind me for so long. The the people of Edmonton, the Edmontonians, have supported me forever. Like it'd be sad. Like, you know, I will go in history as the first ever WBC super featherweight female world champion. I'll go in history um, in the boxing hall of fame for my accomplishments. But this tarnishes my legacy. I, I, I really truly truly do believe that and I you know as Edmontonians I feel like I feel like we're proud of me like I feel like I've done enough <laughs> I would that say. we should be like you know so you had a whole documentary nice. made on you that's uh, a big deal the do- they did an awesome job which can that. also be found on Telus Optic Video On Demand and YouTube yes good yeah. job group picks yeah they I did a great a job shout out. yeah <laughs> it was phenomenal yeah it's won a bunch of awards too I got to the second premiere not the big fancy one oh you one. missed the fancy one well yeah I have things going on actually I think my invite got lost in the mail <laughs> Um, so tell people about when Champs Boxing Studio is opening. What can they look for? What, what can they get here? Uh, so this this whole concept is uh, high intensity cardio boxing, um, coupled with some hit hit exercises in in the workouts. It's basically a gloves on, lights out, and, and get to work kind of thing. So we are opening in January. January 9th is our official launch. Um, we've had some some classes here and there for little teasers but we'll be full full going um january 9th yeah awesome yeah we're super excited we've had a lot of interest about it i think this is going to be the new it workout of edmonton um and you know i'm excited for the ride and the the journey and the experience get tough get ripped get to get out get out some aggression you know um boxing is so punching things is so therapeutic I can, yeah it's, it's unbelievably yeah. therapeutic like you go in with like a problem something on your mind and you just leave like serene so for yeah. me it's um, I've actually through boxing I've seen I've worked at a lot of inner city gyms and just through the the discipline and the workout and the experience of boxing I've seen a lot of kids change their lives so Punching stuff is really therapeutic. Perfect. Well, thank you for the opportunity uh, to this city and everyone in it to, to get involved. Thank you for everything you've done for Edmonton, giving us a reason to be proud of uh, Edmonton when the Oilers are in the decade of I'm darkness. Like our city and of Ed- champions. I still brought the champion into the city. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're perfect fit for this podcast, uh, and I want to have you on here again uh, as things go down the line and we sort of get some of your future cleared up a little bit. Yeah, when I'm not as confused as to what's going on with my life. Well exactly but uh but it's nice to see the the process along the way and and also you know shows people that not everyone has it figured out all the time but as long as you're taking the right steps and going forward that's where progress happens right incremental steps forward yeah well thanks for having me on all right thanks Selena. okay see ya as always guys much love and appreciation for listening your support has just been astounding to me Uh, Let me know what you liked about this episode, who you want to hear on the next episode. And don't forget January 17th, the city council meeting to get this combative, combative issue solved. Talk to you then.